bad. My bad. All right. Well, the message is, I'm talking to me today, and you're welcome to listen in. Um, you ever feel like the world was unsympathetic? You ever feel like nobody understands you? Nobody's listening to you? You ever just feel like you're pushed aside and ignored? Check out this clip. Yeah. 
Did you hear that last line? Dorothy, you always get yourself into a fret over nothing. We're going to talk about that today. We're going to use the Wizard of Oz as kind of a launching pad for us, but uh, just a little disclaimer. Uh, not everything in the Wizard of Oz movie is uh, suitable for a source of guidance in your Christ following. <laughs> <laughs> So the, <laughs> the, opening, the opening scene shows Dorothy, who for our purposes symbolizes the spiritual seeker. She's trying to find her way in life. She's trying to find her value and meaning. She's trying to get attention. She's trying to figure it out. And uh, uh, she had to deal with these folks. She had to deal with Elmira Gulch. I love that name. There's a picture of her, <laughs> Elmira Gulch, the stern, punitive neighbor. She symbolizes, well, not yet, not yet who she symbolizes. You're going to tell me who she symbolizes. Punitive neighbor demanding the destruction of Toto. Toto plays a key role in this movie. And uh, Toto was her source of comfort and joy, but... Uh, she has to deal with this. Can you think of any analogy for who or what Elmira Gulch might represent? Several? <laughs> Give me one or two. Shout them out. Evil, okay. Distraction, all right. How, authority? <laughs> well, I'll give you one. Harsh, condemning religion. Think about it. Aunt Em and Uncle Henry. There they are. Distracted, duty-bound. They're her guardians. But what's the matter with them? They're preoccupied with their cares. They're preoccupied with their money. Those chicks represented their income. And here's Dorothy, upset, truly in need of some guidance and some comfort. And what are they doing? They're fussing over their business. Well, then there's Hunk and Zeke and Hickory. There they are. What a crew. Inept, inept farmhands, and when you hang around them long enough, you end up falling in the pig pen. Any, any, does that bring anything to mind? Um, I'll give you one. Politicians. <laughs> amen? Get an amen on that. <laughs> Did you catch Ann Inns' line again? She said, you're in a fret over nothing. You imagine things that put you into a fret. 
You've envisioned a scenario that leaves you feeling so insecure and so in need. But it's not anything to be fearful of. It's nothing. I don't know if you picked up the theme in our opening music this morning, our worship set, but it all dealt with fear and how we don't have to be dominated by fear. But it, it fretted Dorothy to the point that after Elvira, El, what her name is, Elmira Gulch, when, when she came back to the house on her bicycle and she had a summons to collect Dorothy's dog Toto and was going to take and destroy it, and uh, she took the dog in her basket and she rode off, but the dog gets out and jumps out and runs back to Dorothy, and Dorothy says, we got to go. Oh, somewhere along the way here, you remember the famous scene? She said, somewhere over a rainbow. If happy little bluebirds fly, why, oh, why can't I? And then she runs away. And she's got Toto coming along with her, and she bumps into who? The fake fortune teller. This guy shows up again in the movie, as you probably know. How many of you have seen The Wizard of Oz? A, a good majority. Well, um, it, 1939, that movie was made. Yeah. When I was younger, when I was a kid, they used to show it every year on a Sunday night. Every year, year after year, was um, somewhere, or was The Wizard of Oz night. When I was... Until I was in seventh grade, we didn't have a TV. And we went to church on Sunday night. I never got to see it. I've seen it maybe a couple of times since I did get exposure to a television and, and didn't have church on Sunday night. But anyway, uh, Dorothy runs away. She meets the phony crystal ball reader. And, but he convinces her. He says, Dorothy, I see Aunt M, and she's upset, and she's worried about you, and she loves you, and she needs for you to be there. You need to go home. And so Dorothy, okay, and heads back toward home. And then what happens? The tornado. The big, nasty Oklahoma, or Kansas tornado sweeping down. And the scene shows the three farmhands and Uncle Henry and uh, Aunt M diving into the storm cellar and pulling the door shut and the winds howling and debris is flying around and Dorothy can't get in. They won't let her in. So she runs into the house and a piece of debris hits her on the head and she collapses in the bed. And then we enter into the dream sequence of The Wizard of Oz and the house lifts up and the house is flying in the wind and what do we see looking out the window of the house? Elmira Gulch on her bicycle, just flying along in the tornado. I tell you, these people are indestructible. <laughs> they ride bicycles through tornadoes to do their damage. <laughs> so the farm is destroyed. And Dorothy's in the house flying away, and she lands in Oz. 
and it's a great effect, you know, everything turns to color now. It started out black and white, and now it's color. And Dorothy's trying to figure out what happened, and the munchkins, the little people, are hiding, and they're looking up, trying to see what's going on. Oh, there's a picture of some of them. This, ladies and gentlemen, may I introduce you to the Lollipop Guild. <laughs> the Lollipop Guild. All right, and so out they come, and then the good witch, Glinda, comes on the scene and shows Dorothy how to get the ruby, ruby slippers, and so she puts on the ruby slippers, very symbolic, the red shoes. Uh, we could do a lesson on the blood of Jesus Christ and the power it gives us in relationship to our Lord, and uh, Dorothy has the shoes, and, uh, and then they tell her, you want, you want to go home, back home to Kansas? You've got to talk to the wizard. Here in, in Oz, you've got to talk to the wizard. And so, off she goes. Follow the yellow brick road. Follow the yellow brick road. Follow the, follow the, follow the, follow the, follow the yellow brick road. We're off to see the wizard. <laughs> okay, good. Um, amen? <laughs> and so... She, she goes along, and pretty soon she bumps into the scarecrow. And what's wrong with the scarecrow? He's got no brain. A little while longer, she bumps into the tin man, and he can't move, and he's cold metal, and he's got no heart. And then a little while later, he comes, the lion comes out. Cowardly lion. He's acts tough, but he's got no courage, and he's easily cowered and intimidated. And so there they go. And then the Wicked Witch of the West shows up, and she's harassing them, and they're trying to get to Oz. The poppy field jumps in front of them, and they have to go through the poppy field. There's a whole lesson there. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I need to tell you about the danger of opium poppies and opioids. They almost didn't make it, but they got through, and they get up to the, the Emerald City and the big castle, and they're pounding on the door, and the hatch opens. What do you want? And we want to see the wizard. Well, you can't see the wizard. We got to see the wizard. All right, come in, and there's all kinds of smoke and whistles and lights and, and a hologram of this thing up there. I'm the wizard. What do you want? We want, I want to go home to Kansas. My friends need things. He wants a brain. He wants a heart. He wants courage. Well, the only way you're going to get them from me is if you go get that broom from that wicked witch. And so then, as you remember the movie, the scene changes. It gets it's a dark scene in that movie. It's very scary. And there's the little creatures flying around, little, like demonic beings. And, but eventually they get in front of the wicked witch, they're face to face with her, and what happens? They ask for the broom. She says, I'll give you the broom, my little pretty. And she lights the fire onto the broom, and she hits the straw man with it, and the straw man catches on fire. You ever notice how bullies always pick on the weakest? The ones that can't think, 
the ones that are so easily intimidated. She touched the fire to the scarecrow, and Dorothy sees a bucket of water there. Well, watch it. Hey, pause that there. <laughs> okay, what happened? They threw the water, and the water hit the witch, and the witch melted. You fret about nothing. Well, then they, they get the broom, and they go back to the city, and, uh, and then now we can start that. And you, you see that in that process, the three of those characters got what they were asking for. They were able to fend for themselves, speak for themselves, act, advocate for themselves. And the, uh, 
the guy just appeared to be nothing. And so they got to go home. That, the movie ends, they get to go The movie goes back to the bedroom in the home. Dorothy wakes up from her fantasy, and she says, oh, there's no place like home. The overriding theme of the Bible is fear not. You probably will find that that phrase, fear not, or something similar to it, appears more often than just about anything in the Bible, Old and New Testament both. Someone said that the phrase fear not is 365 times in the Bible. Some question that. I'm not going to fuss over that, but just to say it's there a lot. And I have a few of my favorites. Jude read us a good one this morning, too. But I like Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God speaking through the prophet Isaiah. Fear not. Fear not. Get that into your formerly straw heads. <laughs> my, my formerly straw head. Fear not. Remember what the angels said to the shepherds at Bethlehem? Fear not. The angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Don't be afraid. Great joy, all the people. Nothing to be afraid of here. Like Jesus said, he had gathered his disciples together as he was getting ready to leave them. He was trying to coach them and get them ready to go for his departure. John 14, 27, he said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let me, let me pause there. Back that up. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. So if the word is fear not, if fear not is what's really in the heart of God toward us, if Jesus says, I don't give you fear like the world does, I give you peace. He said, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. It does indicate that I have some responsibility for what I let fear, incite fear in me. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Dorothy, you're fretting over nothing. Like the, oh, Jesus also went on to say, I've said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you'll have tribulation, but take heart, 
I've overcome the world. That's, there's not a slide for that, but that's a part of the same passage in John, the Gospel of John. And, you know, a lot of people have used the book of Revelation to just scare the bejesus out of us. They forget something. Right at the front of the book of Revelation, Revelation 1.17, I'm sorry, I don't have a slide for this. John had seen a, a vision. He was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day, and this uh, vision came to him, and it was a startling thing, to say the least. Um, and uh, he says, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. So his initial reaction to this vision that he was seeing was a startling falling at his feet. Then he placed his hand, his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and behold, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. I got this. I'm in charge. You don't have to be afraid. I was dead, but now I'm alive. I've got the keys, fear not. We're not going to teach the book of Revelation here today, but if you don't understand that principle and apply it in interpreting it throughout the rest of the book, you're not getting the point. What Jesus has done on our behalf and what he's doing now and what he will do in the future is to more and more bring it into our awareness that we don't have to be afraid. We're fretting over nothing. Last week, Brent shared a sermon about the words we hear and the words we speak. We are guilty, I am guilty, of letting things out of my mouth and letting things into my life that are not humble and discerning. Brent, in the great message, I thought, our words need to be filtered through discernment and humility. Our, needs, our words need to be fil filtered through minds from heaven, minds that God gives us, a discerning mind, a wise mind, a, a mind that thinks like a citizen of the kingdom should think, and a humble, there's a heart thing, humble, discerning words. We are guilty, many of us, and I'll confess my own sin here, we are addicted to a constant intake of negative words and fear-inciting words and anger-inciting words. We feed on it. We can't sit down in our chair without picking up our control and turning it in and saying, dump it in me, dump it in me. 
Help me to feel what I feel. Help me to be more angry. Help me be more activist. Help me to be upset at those people. Discernment. We need to have discernment. We have such a problem. Like the Emerald City, that city, there are too many things in the world that pretend to be the all that for solving problems and bringing happiness. Oh, you know, things like miracle cures and special diets and claimed answers to end time mysteries that scare us. Experts, thank you. That's good. <laughs> yes, the Lord just reminded me. Yeah, and you're not an expert, Steve. Um, look, Jesus said, go and preach the gospel. What is the gospel? What does that word mean? Good news. Good news. That's what the word means. Now, you can't tell me that twisting that around to scare people, to shame people, to dominate and control people, and manipulate them for your purposes and your power is the gospel. It's not. Go and preach the gospel, Jesus said. Heal the sick. Take care of the poor. Bless people. Show life and light into the world. In the church world, it's easy to get drawn into following a winding road to nothing of eternal value. It's true. I speak as the chief of all sinners. I pastored for over 30 years. I'm a churchman. Talking to me today. I look back over the years of things that I've done in the name of the church, in the name of serving Jesus. Wood, hay, and stubble. Something just going on behind the curtain. Listen, if the tactic is fear-based to lure us down a path of empty promises, it's not the real thing. And eventually the Holy Spirit is going to pull the curtain back and expose it. And I believe we are in right now, right in front of our very eyes, a major curtain-pulling season. If you've been paying any attention to church world news, you see... How many of these celebrity, big church leaders and pastors have been falling and exposed that they aren't all that? They're real human beings with real issues, and they've misused their power. I mean, hardly a week goes by we don't hear of this big church, this big church, this big organization, this, that where the leadership has been exposed as being fraudulent, hypocrites. We not only see it in the church world, we see it in the political world. Oh, my Lord, help us. The curtain's been pulled, folks. We've got some real phonies out there. I'm not taking any side because it applies to all sides. 
And then the economic world. We've been exposed, uh, we in America, I think particularly because we're so materialistic and we're so driven by our comforts and our um, leisure and the, the uh, economy is shaky and we find ourselves fretting and stewing about what's going to happen to my retirement fund. How am I going to survive? How am I going to make my car payment, my new fancy phone payment, my, um, my uh, camera system protecting my home? Um, <laughs> on and on we go fretting about what? Nothing. We imagine it, but it's not there. Now, storms do come. Hard times come. Tough things come. Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have tribulation. But take heart. I have overcome the world. So I'm not soft-selling this. I'm not giving you pie-in-the-sky stuff here. I'm saying, yes, it gets tough. It gets miserable. It gets heartbreaking at times. But it's not something to fear. The Lord is with us. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He's just like little Toto in the movie. He's always on hand to bring comfort and joy and expose what isn't of him. Storms will come, and God has said in our hearts a longing for something eternal. But the discovery God wants us to come to is there is no place like right here, right now, in the presence of God. There's no place like right here, right now, in the presence of God. And to be able to share it with a family, a community of like-minded people. People who are supportive. People who have their feet on the ground. People that are good citizens of the kingdom of God. Who love God. Who love their neighbors who love themselves. People who really live up to this teaching I find in Galatians, the fourth chapter, verse four. Again, I'm sorry. Some of these notes just appeared in my notes this morning early. And we didn't have time. <laughs> we didn't have time to produce slides for them. Ephesians 4, 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Remember we sang earlier, I will fight on my knees. That's where we take up the battle, is on our knees. Let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, 
I'm going to read this next little bit, and every one begins with whatever is true, or whatever is. And I'm going to say it, and then I want you to say it back to me. Not the whatever is, but just the, the thing that we're talking about. So, for example, finally, brothers, whatever is true, true. Whatever is noble, noble, noble. <laughs> noble family over there. Whatever is noble, whatever is right, right. Whatever is pure, pure. Whatever is lovely, Lovely. Whatever is admirable. Admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Lock that list. Lock that list into your heart. True, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, worthy of praise. Think on this. Well, I'm so busy, I don't have time to think. Well, next time you sit down and click on your favorite source of media propaganda, (laughs) remind yourself, I don't have time to think about what is true and lovely and pure and worthy of praise. Go. In peace, Jesus said. I'm leaving it with you. I'm going to be present with you every step of the way. Like a little puppy dog, the Holy Spirit's going to run with you. He's going to rip open the curtains. He's going to assure you that I'm there. You don't have to be afraid.